Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Aoife Barry, standing in for Michelle Hennessy, and this week, will Dublin's metro actually be built this time around? Yes, the metro. You've probably heard mention of a Dublin metro many times over the past two decades. First proposed in 2005, Metro North was planned to bring passengers across Dublin, stopping off at places like Stevens Green, O'Connell Street and Dublin Airport. In short, it would be an extremely useful addition to the capital's public transport system. And there are rapid transport systems like the metro all across the world. Think of the L in Chicago, the Tube in London and the subway in New York, for example. They're essential parts of big cities. And Dublin Airport, for example, is one of the only major European airports without a train service. After the initial plans were temporarily shelved due to the recession, the news came last week that the project, which is now called Metrolink, is back on track, if you'll excuse the pun, and is set to open in the early 2030s at a cost of almost 10 billion euro. So to talk us through what's involved, what the critics of a metro scheme in Dublin say, and what the chances are of the metro finally happening in Dublin, we're joined by Brian Caulfield, Associate Professor at the School of Engineering in Trinity College, Dublin. Welcome to The Explainer, Brian. Thank you very much for having me, Phil. Now, why was a decision made in 2005 to create a metro in Dublin and what was it envisaged it would actually look like? Back in 2005, um, under a programme called Transport 21, Metro was announced. Um, it had been announced previously in 2000 as part of a platform for change that the then Dublin Transport Office um, put out there. But back in 2005, it was part of this capital envelope of projects that were to be delivered for the capital. And Metro was to go from Stevens Green to the airport and beyond to Swords. So the alignment looks very similar to what we currently have in Metrolink back in 2005. And how long was it before it actually became apparent that it wasn't going to go to plan? Well, I suppose all of the ducks were lined up for the Metro North project. Um, it looked like it was definitely going to go ahead. It had received planning permission from Umbor Planola. But then around that time of um, the, the early part of the 2000s, as we all know, Ireland went into an economic crash and Metro was one of the victims of that crash. At the time, then that I think the then Minister for Transport was our, our current Thornishta, and there were three projects on the table. There was Metro and there was the, the Lewis Cross City and the Dart Underground. And the Lewis Cross City was the, the cheapest and um, and it could be delivered pretty quickly. So that was a project that went ahead and Metro and Dart Underground were, were shelved at that time. So when it comes to the reasons why we don't have a Metro yet in Ireland, is it all down to that recession impact on the Metro North project or are there other infrastructural, cultural or societal reasons why we so far don't have a Metro here? It was mainly the recession. That would have been the, the, the biggest reason why the metro was shelved. But I suppose when you look at big rail projects, they, they always have a number of critics. Um, and they always say that, you know, they'll never deliver the passenger numbers. They're too expensive. They're not what the city needs. However, if you look at motorways, those critics tend to, you know, love motorways and they tend to be great projects for the country. Um, and even if you look at some of the motorways that we built during that time period, like, say, the Dublin to Waterford motorway, the, the numbers of people that use that aren't high enough really to, to warrant a motorway. So roads projects seem to get a, a very much kind of a rosy um, path to construction, whereas rail projects specifically in the capital um, always have their critics um, and always seem to take longer. And they tend to be political footballs as well. Yeah, we've definitely seen a lot of that over the last while. But tell us about metro systems in terms of building them. Like how long does it normally take to actually build them? Is Are we talking years and years here? We are. So the timeline that the department have laid out with TII um, is about, I think, six or seven years for construction. And that's normal. You know, we're, we're constructing almost 20 kilometres of, of metro system. Um, 
and internationally these projects take time you know there's in washington dc the, the the silver line that's going out to the second airport there that's taken probably as long as metro has to, to come to fruition but the, the kind of civil engineering works are, that are around this are massive. You know, it's it will be the biggest civil engineering project we've ever undertaken in the state. It'll be akin to building Ardna Crusha 100 years ago or the Dublin Port Tunnel. So from a from a delivery perspective, it will take time and there's no way of getting around that. Wow, that's a very big project indeed. I mean, do you think people maybe sometimes underestimate how much work it takes to actually build a metro? It's not just a case of we'll just get the planning permission and, and put it in underground. I do, um, especially when you hear some critics and some pundits talking about, well, you know, we've got this tunneling machine, then why don't we just, you know, turn it around and bring it to UCD or bring it to, to, to Rathfarn? I'm thinking it's like, you know, a big bus that they're driving around. There's huge, huge civil engineering works that have to happen for one of these projects to go ahead. Um, and, and it will take time. And even if you look across the water to, to, to London with the new Elizabeth line, that took probably equally the same amount of time given the number of kilometres that they built over there. And generally, when we're talking about why Ireland doesn't have a metro at all, I mean, is it down to just the reasons that you've outlined there over the last number of answers? Or are there other reasons, you know, infrastructural, cultural, societal, as to why we're still talking about bringing a metro into Ireland, but there isn't one there at all? I think it's probably the, the, the previous reasons around political and cost being the, being the main things. And they, they would have been the main reasons why it has been delayed. Um, and, and, and as you mentioned earlier, our counterparts across Europe all have metro links or metro systems in, in their capital um, cities and rail lines that access airports. So, you know, we are a bit of an outlier. But previously, it has been the politics around this and it has been the, 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 the economics of it. And also the fact that it is such a hugely expensive project for Dublin, kind of, you know, I suppose it grates maybe with people that are outside of Dublin and politicians that are outside of Dublin. Why should the city get such a huge piece of infrastructure? And then the critics will ask, well, do they need it? So when we're talking about Ireland being an outlier in Europe when it comes to this sort of rapid transport, how much of an outlier really are we? Well, most of the, the European capitals would have, you know, whether or not they're metros in, in that they're underground or they have um, extensive um, light rail systems, and they would have had them for decades. There are very few cities across Europe that are building metro systems from scratch and that they're a new addition to the transport makeup. I suppose that um, like London and, and Madrid and Paris would have had these systems for, for, for decades and even over 100 years in some cities. So we are, I suppose, a bit of an outlier there. Um, and I suppose that's one of the things that we're trying to rectify. But one of the things that people always say about Metro and why we need a Metro in Dublin is because it will connect the airport. The airport is one stop on this Metro system. This system will completely change the whole part of Fingal, all of, of the North County Dublin. And the airport is but one stop of 16 stops on this um, new line. Building the metro will require a huge amount of work and it'll also include tunnelling down under or near residential areas. Do we know, Brian, what people living in those areas have to say about the potential metro project? I, I suppose there was an awful lot of concern around tunnelling and tunnelling near housing, etc. Um, and, and that they would have been some of the biggest complaints that, that would have come into TII and the NTA around the new metro link. Um, but again, I suppose it, it, it's not something that we we don't have we don't have any experience of in the city. We do have experience of building the Dublin Port Tunnel, um, which would be, I suppose, a, a similar type of um, engineering uh, uh, project. And those fears were laid, and those fears were we were able to come around from those. Um, but between that, then, and I suppose the next fear that people would have had would have been around compulsory purchase orders and some housing and some 
parts of the city been out of action for a certain amount of time, they would be big concerns and they're legitimate concerns. But I suppose, you know, to build something like this, it's going to discommode some people for a period of time. But then once this asset is in place, it could be there for 100 years and the, the next generations of the, of, uh, of the city will get the benefit from the project. So it was recently announced just in the last week or so that the works due to begin on this new project, which, of course, as we were saying, is going to be called Metrolink and not Metro North, are supposed to start in around 2025 or so, depending on, on planning permission and other factors. Now, is there anything different about this project this time around? Um, in terms of the construction, uh, in terms of the, the alignment, um, there are a few things that are different. Um, there's the, the stations, I suppose, on the south side of the city are a little bit different. This time it's going to be a fully autonomous um, um, train that brings you to the airport, so there'll be no drivers in it. There's some differences in terms of the alignment, but more or less it's it's pretty much the same as the old Metro North project. You mentioned there about there not being any drivers on this Metrolink. Is it really unusual to have a completely autonomous Metro or am I just a little bit, uh, you know, not caught up with the latest technology on this sort of rapid transport system? Um, you be you could be forgiven for that, um, but uh, it's not unusual. Most of the new modern systems would have would be completely autonomous, and that there would be no drivers on the systems. And that was a decision that was made a couple of years ago. That that's how this um, the one of the differences uh, that we would have in this new metro system. Let's talk about the timeframes and budget for this new MetroLink. Do you reckon that they're realistic at this point? From what I've seen and uh, what I know that the department and TII have done around it, they do seem realistic. The timelines have been reviewed by an independent um, um, body that was put in place by Deeper um, on the construction of big projects as part of the National Development Plan. So I'm assuming that they are um, uh, robust. The costs this time also seem robust in that they include a huge um, amount of contingency for both in terms of inflation and also unforeseen things that may happen on the project. The project cost has ballooned. Um, it's above 10 billion, as you, as you mentioned at the start, or that's what they expect it to be at least. But they are following best international practice on this. They're looking at um, World Bank guidelines. So, you know, I'm not sure what more they could do to make it better. And, you know, at some point, we just need to start it um, and we need to make this project happen. And deeper there being the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform. Now, when it comes to that overall figure for how much the Metrolink project might cost, do you have any idea of how much it could actually balloon to? I think the 10 billion euro figure includes a lot of the contingency being used. Um, so I suspect it is, you know, it, it is it is relatively, relatively robust again in that they've they've gone through this rigorous process of, of interrogating the costs and they've done a lot more works on it um, in terms of trying to understand the tunneling and they've, they've spoken to international tunneling experts about the likely cost of the project. So I, I suspect it's, it, it is robust, but you, you know, then again, the projects in Ireland have had this, um, they, they tend to gone over budget. And I know everyone will talk about the National Children's Hospital and, you know, let, let's hope that's an outlier and that's not going to happen with this project. But if you look at the, the the past experience or most recent experience of TII in the delivery of the Lewis Cross City, that came in, you know, ahead of time and relatively under budget. So TII have, have really good experience on this, you know, and I think we can, you know, they're, they're really good people in there. And I think we can trust them that they've done they've done their homework. And this is this this is this is what they're saying it's gonna cost. But you know, the one thing I think about the cost is, you know, what are all of these benefits that we're gonna get from Metro? Imagine if we had had them 20 years ago and think about the costs that we've forgone because the metro wasn't there, the amount of time people would have saved getting to the airport, the amount of less car kilometres that would have been driven, the better air quality, you know, all and, and the, the and lower emissions. 
So, you know, that's one of the things that we need to take into account, the cost that we've, we've, we've lost loads of benefits by not having it um, as quickly as possible. So I'm sure that part of the research that goes into building a metro like the Metrolink is looking at the experience of other countries. So do we know from the experience of other countries whether building a metro can be very unexpectedly costly, shall we say? So I suppose the most recent example of, of metro being built anywhere in Europe was in London at the, at the Elizabeth Line. And the cost of that did balloon and they did go way beyond what they expected it to go. But the cost of these projects really depend upon the local conditions, you know, how much how expensive it is to, to build something in, in the country that you're building. Then also, what are the you know, when they start to tunnel, are there any unforeseen circumstances that happen there? Um, so it really is kind of, you know, depending upon the site that you're constructing in. But, you know, there are definitely lots of examples across the world where metro projects have, you know, they've, they've cost an awful lot more than they perhaps um, started out with costing. This is something that, you know, TII, you know, they've been working on this and pe- some people that have been working on this project have been doing it for 20 years and they, they know the examples, you know, say from Copenhagen, from London, from Madrid, all of these different cities. And that's something that is, is, is built into the bank of knowledge that they have. And it would be something that they would definitely consulted when they were looking at the contingencies around the project. And TII being Transport Infrastructure Ireland, just, just to remind people, do we know how many people are expected to use the Metrolink and do you think it will achieve those numbers in the end? The, the capacity that the metro will have will be 20,000 people per direction per hour. Um, so that's huge. Within walking distance of the new metro line, there will be 175,000 people that live within walking distance. So that's almost the population of Cork City. Um, so it's a huge number of people. There's also a quarter of a million jobs within walking distance of the metro line. So there's, it's been put into a very densely populated part of the country. These public transport projects work when you have densely populated areas. And the recent census showed that in Dublin City, we've about 5,000 people per square kilometre. So all of the systems are there in place. And then let's look back to, say, maybe the Lewis. The Lewis was a victim of its own success from day one. The demand was there. People wanted to use this system. And once it was put in place, we saw the record figures that we had on the Lewis. Um, so much so that it had to, the platforms had to be extended to allow longer trams on the green line, and that's planned now as well for the red line. And then also the the bigger trams that were put in and the, the numbers of people that were using it. So I think having looked at the demand analysis and having researched it myself for over a decade, I definitely think that there is the, the, the capacity on that part of the city for the, um, the system. The other thing we need to think about about this system that as it goes out towards Fingal, how we can look at the housing problem. If we can get people in from Swords in 25 minutes, Swords in North County Dublin becomes a much more attractive place to live that they can get into the city centre in 25 minutes. So people will start to move out that part of the city and uh, and that would could go some way to, you know, solving some of the housing problems that we have. And it's kind of this idea of transit-oriented design where you've built housing near these big public transport projects um, and they have equal access into the city centre quicker to the point of like, why would you have a car in some of these places if they can get where they need to go so quickly? So you mentioned the Lewis there. Um, when we got the Lewis Green Line in, one of the big questions was, why isn't it properly linked up with the Lewis Red Line? How well do you think this Metrolink will connect up with the existing rail and bus networks to make journeys just that little bit easier? I know it's not the same as the Lewis per se, but there will be the questions about how easy it is to get from a bus to the Metro and onto the Lewis, etc. So, so one thing I would say about that before we talk about the Lewis, about the red and green lines, there are very few cities in the world that build a whole light rail system at once. So it was always planned that the two lines would link up at some point, and that has now happened. 
this metro system is going to link up with you know dart with lewis with bus connects um, all of these different systems across the the, the the city so it will be like a city like you know we're in london where you can transfer between two different modes of transport at, at relative ease and it will give this interconnection across the city that will you know it will transform how people can get it can move around the city as well they'll all be will all be using leap cards for them so the fares will be kind of kind of seamless and it will you know it will be the spine that connects all of the rail existing rail infrastructure and all of the new bus connects projects together is there a further development plan for metrolink you know once they've gone past the initial plans that we already know about so at the moment yes we we currently have the plans for the, the metrolink which as as we as we discussed is very much like metro north um this is the first line, the first piece of infrastructure. We could extend it north um, past where it's currently going to finish um, up at Estuary, just past Swords. We could extend it north there. We could extend it south if we wanted to upgrade the green line um, to a metro system. But I suppose the key thing is getting the first line in. And we saw that with Lewis. As we brought in the green line, then there was extensions uh, towards Cherrywood. And there was um, on the red line, the same thing. We had extensions on that. So the first line gets put in place and then the extensions, I think, will happen. And we did hear mention at one point of a Metro West. Is anything happening with Metro West at all? Metro West is a bit of a blast from the past, to be honest. Um, It's one of those projects that I think you can you can happily call time of death on. It's it's something that is not it's not in the the new Greater Dublin Area Transport Strategy. So it's a project that, you know, um, has expired, I would say. If we look outside of Dublin, there aren't plans to build a metro system in any place like Cork or Waterford or Limerick, for example. But what about something like a Lewis? Do you think that there could be plans in the future to build a Lewis system in any of those cities? So what I think there, I suppose I go back to an earlier point that I made that, you know, you really need densely populated areas for these light rail or heavy rail projects to be successful for in public transport. And public transport goes under a huge amount of scrutiny um, in terms of before it's constructed. Again, as I said earlier, um, compared to motorways, which we built without really knowing what the demand was going to be. So what I'm going to say, I'm going to preface on, you know, I think we should build public transport everywhere. You know, we're in a climate emergency. We can't do things quick enough. And that's what we should do. But if you take, you know, take that out of it and, you know, realize that there's only a certain pot of money to go around. I would say Cork is probably the the only other candidate at the moment um, in, in the Republic that could maybe sustain a light rail system. But one of the things that and I've said this to, to, to people in the in say in Galway and Waterford and Limerick and, and also in Cork is to look at bus systems in, in a different way. Belfast have a system called the glider. The glider is amazing. It looks and feels like a light rail tram. And I think something like that could be really beneficial for these um the, the, the regional cities and perhaps Cork. And then when you put the glider in, you get the demand, you get the density, then you upgrade to a light rail. But the, the key thing is 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 is, is the density that, that that's required in the first place. At this point, people listening to us talking might be thinking, didn't I hear about Dart Underground as well at some point? Is that different to the Metro? So what is happening with the Dart Underground project? Is that still on the way? Yep, Dart Underground is still definitely part of the plan for the city. As far as I know, it's in the Greater Dublin Area Transport Strategy. It's something that's um, required perhaps after 2040. One of the things that the, the 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 strategy does is it kind of prioritizes projects as to where the needs currently are and the priorities that they put in um at the at the moment are that the the metro will be built a light rail system to to lucan was another project and also the lewis extension to finglas so they don't expect the demand to get to the point for for dart underground until 2040 so it's definitely still part of the plan that that, that project would go ahead 
So we've got a long time to wait for that to, to come to fruition too. So finally, as a public transport expert, what else do you think that Dublin needs? Um, you know, the, there's huge amounts of rail and all the rest that, that, that are required. But I suppose if you take a, take a step back from public transport per se in terms of buses and rail, you know, I think one of the things that the city is doing well on and we could do more on is maybe around shared cars. Um, a lot of research um, has shown internationally for every one shared car that's in a city, you could get rid of 10 other cars. I've done research on it myself and it shows that people in Dublin, you know, if they've got access to a shared car, it's suppressing the need to buy a car. So that's one of the things I think the city needs. Uh, the other thing I think the city needs is it needs an awful lot more um, control over parking, uh, parking in the city centre. So if you have a car park, car parking space, you're much, much more likely to drive. And, and I think that, you know, there's huge amounts of car parking in the city centre that we could perhaps think about taking out. And in my, in my own campus where I work in Trinity, um, there is very limited parking for staff. There's no parking for students. And what that's shown is that 99% of people get to our campus using a bike, a bus, a walk, cycle, all of these different things. So I think when you curtail parking, people find a way to travel to, to, to different campuses. Yes, Trinity is very lucky in that it has a number, a number of public transport options that, that come to it, come to the campus. But there are a number of different governments, government departments, etc., that are very close to Trinity that would have car parking. And it would be interesting to know um, what the percentage of people is in those places that aren't, you know, that aren't driving and they're using the alternative mode. So I think curtailing parking and looking at, you know, shared mobility in, in, in a better way. This is assuming that the metro and all of these other things come to fruition. Um, they're the kind of things to get get us the extra mile, um, I think. It's really interesting to think about what the future of public transport could be in the country indeed. Thank you so much for filling us in on all of that, Brian. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Brian for joining us this week. This episode of The Explainer was brought to you by producers Nikki Ryan and Aoife Barry and Ema Moreau. If you want to support The Explainer, there's a few things you can do. Head to thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to become a monthly subscriber. Or you can also leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's such a great way to make sure other people will listen and love it too. Thank you and catch you next time.